Welcome to episode 11 of Storm the Norm, the podcast where we pick up norms that come in the way of businesses succeeding in a disruptive world. I am Narayan. And I am Anisha Motwani. Anisha, this is quite a storm we are in the midst of, isn't it? Um, this feels unprecedented in living memory at least. And yet, if there's one thing history can teach us, it is that dark times have periodically fallen upon the world. And we've somehow prevailed and moved forward. And one of the linchpins of progress, whether after crises or in regular times, whether in the world at large or in the world of business, is the pursuit of growth. In fact, one might go so far as to say that without growth as a target, progress would have been impossible. The advancements we see in the world today, um, you know, from markets to platforms to industry to agriculture to technology, all owe their progress to the relentless pursuit of growth. Right now, obviously, we're seeing the opposite of growth. Uh, economies are depressed, financial markets are down, consumer sentiment is gloomy, businesses are scared. But that's all the more reason to revert to the norm, in this case, the unwavering pursuit of growth, don't you think? On the face of it, you're making a compelling argument, Narayan. Uh, I hear a but. I sense a but. (laughs) Yeah, but I think this might well be the best opportunity to pause and reflect on this norm. Is the unending, continuous pursuit of growth the only way for the business to progress? Let's reflect even on the question for the moment. And what we'll see is that we probably have an opportunity to see if we are even defining progress appropriately. The question Mm. of whether pursuing growth is the right means to the end will come after we define that. What is that end that we are pursuing in the first place? Isn't it? You know, I saw this meme the other day that said something like, um, it says something about the state of the world that markets are collapsing because we are now buying and consuming only what we need. Yeah, even today's newspaper is talking about how much people have saved because they are not going out and eating and, and, uh, and you know, buying and doing endless shopping. So exactly. And we've actually built an economy that has been growing, but at what cost? Our growth has come at the cost of our planet, at the cost of our culture and value system. There are deepening fault lines across society, especially on ideological grounds. The divide between the rich and the poor is even more stark. And increasing debt burden on the society and country as a whole is phenomenal. And you know, all that is happening because we built a consumption-based economy. And around the world, We have created products, services, and experiences that cater to higher and higher level on Maslow's hierarchy. And what this pandemic has forced us to do is to revert to being satisfied by the lowest levels of needs. You know, the value of a full home-cooked meal. I mean, we just realize how appreciative we are of that. But even there, Mm. I don't think it's quite that simple, is it? It's not linear, black and white like that. Yeah, I see, I see where you're going with that latter part. I mean, I highly doubt Maslow would have imagined the day when Zoom and Netflix would become core physiological needs. But hey, here we are. Yeah, yes, indeed. Actually, absolutely true. And you're still looking at, a, when we talk about Netflix and Zoom, we are still looking at a small sliver of society, you know, who would identify with that. Uh, the fact that we've got all these mythological series from, you know, almost three decades back and they are so popular tells you that as far as our country is concerned, uh, there is such a wide disparity between what we consume 
and especially across the world and especially in countries like india we are seeing that the original physiological needs of hunger shelter clothing and sleep are just not accessible to millions amidst this crisis forget zoom and netflix the images mm-hmm. of these migrants at the at the borders um, is such a scary sight and in between mm-hmm. all this you know the extreme two ends the the zoom and the mm. netflix kinds and people who are actually you know not even getting the basic necessities there's a diverse spectrum in between with varying degrees of needs and access to things that fulfill those needs and you've got to wonder in the middle of all this is the relentless pursuit of economic growth truly the panacea the world needs right now it's a really hard hitting way of putting it anisha I recall this quote by this guy called Edward Abbey, and he said this somewhere in the mid 1980s. Uh, you know what he said was, mm-hmm. "Growth for the sake of growth is the motto of the cancer cell." Now I'm not quite equating a consumerist society or capitalism in its present form to cancer, but it's hard to miss the point you're making. I see what you're saying. Your quote is so spot on, but here's the other reality. different countries have got different geopolitical complexities to de- deal with there are demographic variables to contend with countries uh, like in so many countries in europe and japan are grappling with you know the older populations uh, aging populations um, there are there is brexit on one side uh, us has ideological opportunism at the heart of all its struggles and india we've always had our share of multiple complex situations clawing at us even as we strive to progress you know anisha one of my favorite books about india is by edward loose uh, he was at that time of writing this in 2004 the editor of the financial times of london mm-hmm. this book's called in spite of the gods the strange rise of modern india and one of his most telling comments about india and mind you like i said he wrote this in 2004 was that india is not on autopilot to greatness but it would take a terrible pilot to crash the plane mm. now i'm not commenting on the pilots and the flight crew at this point but this turbulent storm is suddenly not helping matters is it yeah but also in a way it is helping because it's bringing to surface a lot of our hidden inadequacies isn't it it's mm. presenting mm. our rural audience struggles in such a stark way that urban elites can no longer ignore them it's training our healthcare system in such testing ways that we'll just know how robust it is or not and it's pushing our economy to its limits to a place we are not sure whether we are the global economy's most promising player i know i mean i, I hear this and and i know you're not trying to paint a picture of gloom and doom but you're making a pretty compelling argument for storming the norm in fact it brings to my mind um this brilliant uh, essay i read about the recent measures that sweden is embarking on mm-hmm. and um, i think it might well be an experiment worth emulating around the world and what experiment is that narayan you've got my ears now so uh, as it turns out sweden has enlisted about 170 academics to formulate what they are calling a degrowth plan degrowth okay. Now that sounds like the norm we are trying to storm. You know, I mean, planning businesses for degrowth. <laughs> Tell me more about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I'll try to uh, succinctly summarize it. Uh, what that manifesto is about. So it's called a manifesto for post-neoliberal development, and they've identified five policy strategies to underpin it. So these include a move away from development as we know it, that is not focused only on GDP growth. 
an economic framework focused on redistribution, a transformation towards regenerative agriculture. This is probably the one that's most relevant and most difficult for business. The fourth one is a reduction of consumption. And the fifth is around debt cancellation. Wow, that sounds like a tall order, but such a true example of what we call storming the norm. But more than hmm. that, it sounds like what the world really needs right now. This is the kind of thinking I was talking about. But to bring it back to what our podcast Storm the Norm is about, how can businesses apply this thinking to succeed in a world that's disrupted like never before? And that's the question mm -hmm. that we should be exploring as we go forward. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is when pursuing growth is the norm and a deeply ingrained, almost inviolable norm at that, how can we get businesses to pursue degrowth as a strategy and an agenda? Yeah, I think in a word, yes. That's what I'm trying. But you've got my attention, Anisha. So let's, let's start with a couple of context-setting facts. Consumer spending accounts for more than 65% of our economic activity. One can argue that consumption-led growth can lead to a slowing down of future growth if it entails growing imbalances. And you know imbalances in what? Imbalances in limits to capacity creation, imbalances in rising debt burdens, first at a country level and then trickling down to the last household. In a specific case in India, our savings rate has dipped to a 15-year low. And the past couple of decades have been marked by a collapse of real savings, which is fueled by this artificially easy credit from the banks to the consuming class. And this has brought about a debt-induced spending binge with almost disastrous consequences. Hmm. I'm shaking my head simultaneously and, and yet not surprised. Uh, I, I go back to this 15-year-old, uh, I don't think it was called a meme back then, mm -hmm. but this, this quote which said, you know, I always live within my means even if I have to borrow to do so and it sounds like that's what we're doing now. We are consuming more than we need, but we are also borrowing to do so. And yeah. here's the crucial part. The impact is even greater on businesses because of this. And you know why? Because growth and acquisition requires capital. And at mm. a time like this, Capital is really scarce because businesses are going to grapple with thin profit margins and a rupee of sales growth may well use more cash than it generates. And when this is the case, owners are faced with a decision to either obtain external financing or limit growth to a rate that the businesses can sustain through its own internal cash generation. Isn't it? And I can hear almost many shareholders, you know, saying, you know, make your business self-sustaining. When a business yeah. is throwing off sufficient cash for it to achieve its growth objectives, many institutes will decide not to incur the additional risk associated with it, isn't it? So we might mm -hmm. plan for it and ensure responsible, cost-efficient, even if that means degrowth in the top line, as they will mm -hmm. put their financial stability at risk. Yeah. So... I mean, yeah, that's very contrary to what businesses are used to in today's business world. We are told that slowing down growth is not an option. So in, in such a scenario, how do you realistically create a degrowth strategy when business defines growth as progress? So if we really want India to come out stronger post-COVID, we need consumer spending to become less important to economy, not more. Mm. And we need mm. policies that enable savings and greater investments 
in the right direction greater investments mm-hmm. in production and manufacturing greater investments mm-hmm. in infrastructure greater mm-hmm. investments in actually making our health systems more robust we have mm-hmm. to create capacity today we've got more vehicles on the road than we actually have uh, you know the infrastructure to carry it and that mm-hmm. is applying to just about everything that we are consuming we are consuming mm-hmm. more than we can afford to hmm so uh, you know the, the other point that you touched upon was around savings right i mean and i thought that was such a telling comment when you were earlier talking about how low our 15 year savings rate has dropped to mm-hmm. and i'm assuming there is a direct line connection between that dip in savings and the lack of capital well, so um yeah go on go ahead yeah. yeah because in many ways you know what one was trying to say is uh if there are more savings financial institutes can lend more for investments more than investment mm-hmm. means more production and capacity creating capacity creations and it's only real savings you know that could drive investments post covid mm-hmm. the most prudent way businesses can storm the norm is to remember that we need a production economy and not a consumption economy for almost like the near few years and where do these consumers get their money from because we don't realize we are actually producers of something that we are consumers of our demands right. as consumers is actually fulfilled by our suppliers workers and producers for others so for right. the moment yeah. can we pull back and become producers and not consumers and create that capacity and the infrastructure that the country needs you know i think what you said over there is going to be the pivot of it that we need to become a production economy and not a consumption economy but let's get back to our norm around growth as the only means for business to progress so it sounds to me like both the means and the ends will have to change and what we probably need to see emerging uh, and i'm picking a uh, leaf from the swedish book also maybe what we actually need right now is what i might call equitable capitalism i like the sound of equitable capitalism and i think we may be on the right track here now and go on so the trick obviously is going to be to make it practicable for business uh, so let's see if we can cast our thoughts into our you know storm the norm degrowth hacks for our listeners uh, so i'll start with a couple the first one is something that i uh, that i think i'm going to call equitable redistribution so take two examples right now from from the current crisis the likes of zomato and swiggy have created funds to ensure food supplies to daily wages and those who don't have the luxury of working from home perfume and liquor manufacturers like diageo in india and uh, louis vuitton in france have diverted their manufacturing and supply chains to the production and distribution of hand sanitizers because alcohol is the raw material there it's taken a pandemic for these efforts to spring up now my question is what if these were to be integral parts of how businesses operate so that existing competencies lead to equitable redistribution of both resources and output no you are absolutely right the auto companies are making ventilators all textile manufacturers have got, moved on to making uh, costumes and uh, for the health workers and masks and this also mm. brings us to this whole point about sweating all our assets beyond our unique individual consumptions and mm. sweating it 
and if you sweat it so that you can actually pay back and it gets mm. distributed that's even so much better i i completely yeah. what's your next so, so uh, second one is what i might call cooperative rejuvenation mm-hmm. uh, so the climate crisis fueled by the fossil fuel industry there is likely also an agrarian crisis staring at many economies around the world and a common thread to both is this need to make mainstream practices that are regenerative to the planet so let me quickly elaborate this is the opportunity for commodities giants like itc in india or monsanto globally to enable a cooperative framework that a benefits the agrarian economy b fulfills consumer needs but most importantly also enables planet rejuvenation yeah i like both of them equitable redistribution and cooperative rejuvenation i mean this is what i think the planet needs because the next pandemic could well be you know one that is triggered off by a climate crisis um i have a couple as well to add you know and you know starting with this whole thing of creating degrowth in business yep talk about and and this is going to be one of the hardest questions confronting businesses uh, consumption mm-hmm. okay how hmm. do we reduce consumption so i'm saying can you actually instead of reducing consumption can you start using the phrase valuable consumption okay hmm. um the question it stems from is this can businesses actually advocate decreased consumption it seems like a self defeating proposition and own goal and yet maybe the answer lies not in thinking of it in volume terms but in value terms as the global lockdown caused by the pandemic has shown we seem to be able to pretty perfectly make do with basics but we do want the best of basics unmonotonous tasty food and the recipes to experiment with them uninterrupted internet access and the band to enjoy the entertainment we can pipe through it we've tried this recording this podcast a couple of times and bandwidth has failed us ways to connect with and play with our loved ones in the time of social distancing clearly what we are seeking and probably willing to pay a premium for are the things that bring meaningful value to our lives so how businesses can deliver this value in sustainable ways will define success in the coming uh, in the coming time and every category if they start looking at consumption in context to their particular category and say how do we add value to this consumption okay how do we actually not look at creating more volume of consumption but more value of consumption i love that phrase valuable consumption and and my last one is actually you know it's a little more tactical but i think we also need a very here and now and i ca- mm. i call this trimming the long tail the principle mm. of sacrifice and focus have never been more important than now and they call for the adoption of a few really critical immediate measures the mm. number of skus the number of pack sizes the number of price points you know that each company carries we have such a mm. long tail of low margin low value skus and at a time mm. like this long tails do not help businesses at all how do we focus on the core and forget the long tail yeah uh, no this triggers a, a a a piece of advice that steve jobs gave to mark parker mm-hmm. when he took over as ceo of nike from phil knight and apparently jobs told him um, you know at nike you have a lot of great products 
but you have an even larger number of crappy products. Please get rid of the crappy products. Yeah, and I think every business is a, has an opportunity to look at the long tail and see what is needed and what's not needed, and do the same yeah. with the assets. You know, divest the non-core assets to further invest in the core businesses, or explore hmm. new ownership models, which are more shared ownership models in a typically capital-intensive industries. Hmm. So, how do you look at sharing your assets and actually getting rid of the non-core assets? And hmm. The last one on this bit of trimming the long tail is target non-consumption by actually transforming complicated and expensive products into products that are simple and affordable, so many mm. more people in society can access them, and it can also shave off a lot of unnecessary cost. Absolutely, you know, when when you first mentioned the phrase production economy, I felt it was going to be like a crucial pivot for businesses. And and this last set of uh, measures that you are advocating, I think, reinforces that for me. I mean, if I think about the four that we just listed: equitable redistribution, cooperative rejuvenation. For me, valuable consumption. And if I may uh, give trimming the long tail another name, I think what you've encapsulated is valuable production. Uh, it's such a critical piece, and I don't think it is just tactical. I think it's a very strategic uh, perspective. If these four can be adopted. Um, I'd say we we probably have great starting points, and uh, even if I say so myself, I don't think that was too bad. Those are big questions that confront businesses today. But I guess if we don't storm the norm of believing that the pursuit of growth is the only way for businesses to progress, we will be stuck in the status quo, or maybe we will regress. You know, this has been a thought-provoking conversation. Um, more so than the ones that we've had so far you know and in any case we are living at a time where introspection has become part of us you know and i for one i'm looking forward to seeing businesses pick up on these questions and will will be really interested in seeing if they are truly willing to storm this norm and not in an incremental manner but in a completely transformative manner indeed nisha So I think that's probably a good place to wrap up episode eleven of Storm the Norm. This is Narayan once again and Anisha signing off for now. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud by just searching for Storm the Norm. We'll be back with a new episode very soon. Thank you and talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.